Um, If you will, please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus, Genesis, Exodus. Um, For the purpose of those visiting, um, my name is Pastor Dennis Lewis, and we've been doing a study in um, on the Ten Commandments, a study on the the Ten Commandments. Um, Right before we read the text, I I normally give you a little tidbit that I found online about the Ten Commandments. And um, so I found this one. I I thought it was interesting. Um, uh, About 65% of the people um, that uh, polled that were believers said that um, they believe that the Ten Commandments are still relevant uh, for their lives. And, and which, by, by simple math, means that 35% doesn't believe that the Ten Commandments are still relevant in their life. Now, th- there's reasons for that, but I think one of those reasons is theological. There are a lot of people that don't, uh, when they read the Old Testament, they wonder, well, how does this apply to me now? Yeah, I'm a New Testament Christian, right? I don't believe in all that Old Testament stuff. But, but it does matter. There's continuity between the Testaments. God has always had one people, one church that he has um, uh, put his covenant purposes on, um, that he has loved, that he has brought to himself. And so when we read the Bible, uh, whatever we read in the Old Testament, uh, as long as it's a part of the, what, what we would call the normal laws of God, um, they apply to us today. And there are some uh, laws like um, Israel's Kosaic laws, uh, some of the laws that pertain to the nation that don't necessarily um, apply to us today. But the Ten Commandments certainly do. They certainly do. So I wanted to, to put that before you. All right. Um, it is our practice to read um, the Ten Commandments together as a group. And so uh, let's begin in verse number one, chapter 20 and verse number one. Let's read this together. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not take for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. 
grass and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. And this is the word that will be taught unto you. Amen and amen. Well, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come before you today because we need you. We need you to give us truth. We need you to help apply that truth to our lives. We need you to work in our lives to bring about the righteousness that you've given to us as a result of the work of Christ. Ultimately, we need the gospel. And so I pray today that indeed you might give us what we desperately need. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I would, I would venture to say that many of you um, grew up in a household like mine. Um, in my household, we took the third commandment very seriously. I mean, at an early age, my mother uh, taught us not to curse or swear or use acronyms like OMG or use combinations of words like Jesus and Christ, God and damn. Um, those were anathema in our home. In fact, I remember one time vividly swearing uh, to my brother. And in that moment, my mother turned into Nightcrawler. It seemed like she teleported from one part of the house to the other part of the house and gave me a spanking and then teleported back. I mean, I, it was almost like my mother would have rather me murder someone than to swear. That's how seriously we took it in our home. Now, I, I know quite a bit of you, I know some of you are visiting, so I don't know you as well, but, but I would assume that the same morals are in your home. Like, as a matter of speech, you don't let your children go around cursing and swearing and, and saying bad words, right? And the reason for that, the re there's a good reason for that, the reason for that, of course, is the third commandment. For many of us, the, the third commandment means that we don't say those naughty words. Now, now let me say something. P permit me to use a distinction. Right? I'm going to use a distinction between venial and mortal. When it comes to the third commandment, the venial sins, the superficial sins, is the cursing and swearing. That's, that's the superficial sins. That's the venial sins. When you look at the third commandment and you think, oh, it forbids me from cursing and swearing, that's, that's the venial sins. Those are superficial. Now, now let me put uh, a warning on this. Young people, don't go home and start cursing and swearing and then tell your people, Pastor Dennis told you that that's not a big deal. Don't use my name in vain, <laughs> right? Because I won't be there to get your discipline, Okay. So I want to be clear. Yes, cursing and swearing is against the third commandment. But those are lesser concerns. At the heart of the third commandment is a more mortal concern. It's actually the sin of the third commandment that God punishes to the point of death and hell. And here it is. The third commandment is a warning against using God's name 
for our own glory and purposes rather than using God's name for his glory and his purpose. Jesus actually said this in the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. If you remember the Lord's Prayer, we say it every Sunday. Our Father who art in heaven, finish it. Hallowed be thy name. No, 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 no. That's the first petition. That's the first petition. Hallowed be your name. What, what, what are we asking God to do when we say, hallow be your name? Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes we say things and we don't really think about them properly. But, but what are we asking God to do when we say, God, we want your name to be hallowed? Here's what we're asking God to do. Jesus was asking God and we asked God the same thing. Please use us, your people, to take your name into the world. Carry your name into the world. And use it in such a way to further your glory and your purposes. That's what hallowed be thy name means. That's what's at the heart of the third commandment. Do we as God's people, when we go out into the public square, as we interact with people, as we go about our regular dealings, do we use God's word in such a way? Do we use his name in such a way? To bring him honor and to bring him glory. Do we? Well, let's find out. Uh, as we go through this uh, commandment, I want to take certain phrases out of the commandment. And I want to show us what's at the heart of the third commandment. So let's begin at the very beginning. Verse number seven. It says, you shall not take, or maybe you have a translation that says, you shall not take up the name of of the Lord your God. Let's start there. Now, before we actually get into it, I have to give you a bit of context. Now, context is important. I, I'm not giving you context. I'm not like giving you just useless information here. What I'm giving you is the context to understand what is being said in this passage. And that's important because context is about understanding. Our world is interested in content, right? If you go on YouTube, all you're getting is content. That's not what the Bible is. The Bible isn't just content. The Bible is about context, and the context is important because God wants you to take his word, apply it to your life, and understand the context of that, and then go out into the world and live it out. So what I'm about to give to you is the context. What does it mean to take up the name of the Lord? For us to understand that we have to go into the Bible and we have to go to the first time God actually gave his name in the Bible. The word Lord. Lord. The first time he gave his name in the Bible. And the first time he gave his name in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 3. You know, Exodus chapter 3 is a glorious passage. If you are looking for a Bible study. I'm telling you. If you go into Exodus 3, it is one of the best chapters in the Bible. It, I mean... All through it is awesome. Most of you kind of know the story a little bit, but I'm going to give it to you in brief because I want to make a point that's so important. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is in the back of the desert walking around some sheep. Now he's about 80 years old. He thought God had forgotten him. And all of a sudden, he saw a bush burning. And he says, wait a minute. This bush has been burning a long time, and it's not consumed. Then all of a sudden, a voice comes to him. And the voice says, Hey, take off those dirty sandals 
Because the place you're standing is what? Holy ground. Man, I love that. I love that. One of these days, I'm going to ask you to come into uh, the CVBC and just take off your shoes. You know, this is holy ground. But that's what it was. It was holy ground. Now, now, the rest of the story goes a little something like this. God is having a conversation with Moses, and he tells Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And then I want you to go to my people and tell them that I am going to take them out of slavery. And I love Moses' response. Because you know what? Moses is just like me. Because if it was me, I would have said, and Moses said this, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You want me to go to the most powerful man in the world, right? And tell him to let all of his slaves go, which is the, the, the height of his strength. And then you want me to go to one of the most oppressed people in the world and tell them that they're going to be let go right after 400 years of slavery? You really want me to do that? Oh, no, no, no. If you want me to do that, you are going to have to send me with something. And that's exactly what Moses said. Moses said, Lord, I can't just go. I need something from you. Now, now, if you know the story well, you know that God already gave Moses his name. He said, I am the God of who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He already identified him. So, so with that identification, was that enough? Of course it wasn't. Here's what Moses is saying that's so powerful in the text. Moses is saying this, look, if you're going to ask me to do something this big, this glorious, this grand, you know what you have to do? You have to give me a name that is glorious and wonderful and grand. And in response, God says, absolutely, Moses. Here's the name you're going to give to Pharaoh, and you're going to give to your people. And the name is Yahweh. Yahweh. I am. Now, look, you have to be pretty amazing that if somebody asks you your name, you give them a verb. Like, God says, my name is a verb. I am. And, and you fill in the blank. Because whatever you need, I will be there for you. I am. Now, let me pause and say this. For most of us, a name is just an identification. For instance, my name is Dennis. That's it. Like, my mother gave me that name. Um, I found out my name means God of wine. Um, I don't like wine. I like other beverages, right? But that's my name. If I told you my name, that name would tell you nothing about my character. Nothing. But if you mention the name Yahweh, that communicates so much of his character and who he is. So much is imputed in that name. I saw a wonderful example of this recently. I, there was a, a viral video. Viral just means, for some of you that don't know, a video that's like trending everywhere. That's like a bunch of views. I saw a viral video, and it's of a little boy who was blind. 
And this blind little boy was walking. And his father called him. He said, hey, Rossi. And the little boy stopped and said, Daddy? Daddy? And in that moment, when, when the little boy heard his father's voice, and he turned around and started saying, Daddy, Daddy, his whole face changed. This little boy lit up. And, and I, I'm starting to get choked up thinking about it. You, like, I, I wish I could just show it to you. Because in that moment, in that moment, he wasn't just acknowledging his biological father. In that moment, he wasn't just talking about some random guy that he knows. When he responded with the word daddy, he was responding to the person who tucked him in at night, the person that loved him, the person that read him bedtime stories, the person that rocked him when he was afraid. In that moment, every single thing that his daddy had done for him, the way he had loved him and cared for him, was imputed in that word, daddy, to the point that when he said it, you saw all of that emotion pouring out. Why did he do that? Because connected to the name daddy was a set of things that his father did for him. And in that moment, all of that came gushing out. So when God gives Moses his name, he's giving him more than just a name. He's giving him his character. He's saying that I am a God who's holy. I am a God who's just. I am a God who's forgiving. I am a God who's loving. I am a God who's merciful. I am a God who's gracious. I am a God who will take care of you and deliver you and serve you for the rest of your existence. That's who I am. And praise God he's that way because none of us would be in this room were it not for the mercy and graciousness of his name. And then what happens? He gives Moses his name. And he says, I want you to take that name and I want you to go and get my people out of Egypt. And you know the rest of the story. Moses took that name and Moses whooped Pharaoh, right, thoroughly, and then he took God's people out of Egypt. Thank the Lord for the name. Now, what does that have to do with you and I? Well, it has everything to do with you and I for this one reason. Do you realize that you have been given the name of God? If you read through the scriptures, from, from Genesis to Revelation, you'll know that God's name is all over you. God gave us, if you name the name of Christ, his name is all over each and every one of us inside here today. On the day of Pentecost, let's start with your salvation. On the day of Pentecost, Peter is preaching. And, and what does Peter say? What does Peter say? Peter says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other what? Name. Given among heaven, whereby a man must be saved. Brothers and sisters, if you are going to be saved and come to a knowledge of Christ, 
you need to call upon his name. There's no other way. You can't call about your name. You can't rely on your own um, gifts and talents, your own works. Peter said clearly, if we are going to come upon, if we're going to come to Christ and be saved, we have to have the name of God. We have to call upon the name of, the God, of God in order to be saved. Not only that, but when you were baptized, what did the pastor say when you were baptized and you were being, you know, the waters of baptism came on you? I baptize you in my name? No. I baptize you in whose name? The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, the waters of baptism, God put his name on you and identified you with his kingdom and his glory and his people. That's who you are. You are a marked people as a result of your baptism. But it gets gooder. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kids, it's not gooder. It's better. Okay. But it gets better. When we pray, how do we pray? Our Father. Jesus says when we pray, we pray in his name. Jesus' name. You have the power of his name on your prayers. And those are not just magic words. Like I don't say Jesus' name at the end of my prayers just to make sure my prayer really got in there. That's not the purpose of saying Jesus' name. The purpose is this. When, when all of us leave here and all the parents are gathered out, outside and we're all talking and our children want to get our attention, who, what, what, what do they do to do that? They call our name to get our attention so we can minister to them. And so the purpose of the name of God in prayer is to get God's attention. To say, Father, I am here. When I pronounce the benediction at the end of the service, what am I doing? I'm blessing you in whose name? My name? You don't want me to bless you. I have no power. But I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then you will be blessed. Not only that, but Paul says in Ephesians 4.30 that when you and I come to know Jesus Christ, we are given the Holy Spirit whereby we are sealed until the day of redemption. The word sealed there is the word embossed. And if you've ever embossed something, normally what you do is you write your initials in there and then you take that and you seal a letter. That's what it means to emboss. So what God is saying there is that the power of the Holy Spirit's name is on your heart. You are sealed until the day of redemption. In other words, God tattooed his name on your heart. You're sealed until the day of redemption. In the new heavens and the new earth, we get this glorious reality that in Revelation, our names will be written in the book of life. That's our inheritance. And the gospel says not only will our names be written in the book of life, the reason why our names will be written in the book of life is because we will have his name written on our forehead. To say we belong to him. To say we are his. And then finally, at the end of it all, 
Paul tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Don't you see that? We just did a Bible study on God's name. See how quick that was? Do you see now why it's so important not to take that name in vain? Not to use it in an empty way? Because it's written over every single aspect of yourself. We're marked by the name of God. Now, quickly, I want to give you three ways in which we take his name in vain. Right? Three ways in which we take his name in vain. First of all, we take his name in vain with our words. With our words. That's the first way, with our words. You know, <coughs> Christians should be people of integrity. If you're a Christian, you should be a person of integrity. If you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. Or have a very good reason why you cannot do it. So often, so often, we break the third commandment by committing ourselves and saying that we're going to do something and not do it. That's why Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you commit to doing something, do it. The second way we break the third commandment is with our work. And here's what I mean by that. So often when we go out into the world, we claim to be doing things on behalf of God. We hear people all the time saying, God told me to do this. Or God wants me to do this. Now, now to some degree, I want to be fair. I, I don't want to impugn anybody's character here. But, but let me say this. Uh, when we say that God tells us to do something, what we're not saying is God came out of heaven and spoke those words directly to us. Right? What we're actually saying is that we feel like God is leading us to do something based on a set of factors. If that's what we mean, say that. But if we're not careful, if we say that God wants us to do something and we go and do it and it's out of our selfish ambition, then we're dragging God's name into our works when God's not in it. Do you know how many things are done in the name of God that God had nothing to do with? And then when it falls apart, what do we do? We blame God. Or we blame the people around us. Or we say that God wants me to have something. And then when God doesn't give it to you, you get upset. I remember a friend um, told a young lady when I was in college that God told him to, um, that he was going to marry her. God never told him that. Never. But he felt that way. And when the girl said, well, God didn't tell me that, right? He got upset. He got angry at God, got angry at her, got angry at me. I'm like, I don't, I, why are you angry at me? I, I didn't tell you to say that. Hey, look, if, if you are going to say that God is calling you to do something, you better make sure that that's confirmed because you'll be breaking the third commandment. But we also break the third commandment by our worship. In other words, when we claim to be Christians, but we don't act like Christians. When, when we take up the name of God on ourselves and say, we are believers, but then we act completely contrary. 
I, um, I had a young man in my class um, who was a bully. I think I was in like fourth grade. And, and he would bully everyone in the class, and we were all afraid of him. And I remember one day his mother found out. And, uh, and his mother came into our class. It was a sight to behold. I could see it now. His mother came in the class. And his mother disciplined him in front of the entire class. That was back when you could spank and get away with it, right? And so his mother disciplined him in front of the whole class. And when she was done, she said these words. And I will never forget it. She said, listen to me. You are a Campbell. And Campbells don't act this way. Camels don't bully people. Camels don't take advantage of others. If you are going to have the Campbell name, you better start acting like a Campbell. And she walked out. And I was like, yes. <laughs> she laid it down. She was like, you're a Campbell. You're not going to do her. Well, let me, let me say this. When you become a believer, you become a Christian, whether you like that name or not. I know some people don't like to be called Christian. It's trendy now to call yourself a follower of Christ. No, 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 you're a Christian. Like read Acts 11. They were called Christians, not followers of Christ. That's your name. That's your surname. And listen, when you get that name, you're supposed to be acting in accordance with that name. You don't have a choice. You don't get to say, well, you know, I can act like however I want. No, you don't. If you're a Campbell, you act like a Campbell. If you are a Christian, then you better act like a Christian. You follow me? That's what the Bible says. You don't get to pick and choose how you want to act. Because that's not your name. And by the way, nobody named God. God named himself. And he put that name on us, and we better act in accordance with that name. That's what the scripture calls us to do. That's how we take those three ways are the ways that we take the Lord's name in vain. Now, real quick, now, real quick. I want us to look at the last portion of this. He said, uh, at the end, he said, you should not take the name of the Lord in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, if you read through all the commandments, you'll notice this. There's only one commandment that hints at discipline. Now, let me say this. If you break any of the commandments, you will be disciplined. But this is the only commandment that actually hints at a discipline. God says he will not hold you guiltless for taking his name in vain. What does that mean? Now, I got to tell you, I spent a lot of time reading and studying and looking, and nobody really knows. Like, like, like we could hint at it, but nobody really knows. And then I started thinking, and I started reading through the Bible, and I remembered Matthew chapter 7. And this is the closest thing I could find to what it means for God to not hold us guiltless. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And do many works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never know you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Those verses should send Trimble down the spine. 
Because listen to what the verses are saying. That on the last day, there will be people who will come to God and say, God, I did all of these things in your name. I did it in your name. Not my name, not for my purposes, but in your name. And Jesus looks at them and says, no, you didn't. You actually did it to further your ends and your purposes. You did it for your glory and not mine. You know, in our, in our country, we have uh, copyright infringement laws, right? That if you use somebody's name and likeness without them giving you permission or without you having a relationship with them, you go to prison and get fined. Well, this is the ultimate copyright infringement law being broken. That at the last day, people are going to come and say, God, I did this in your name. I believed in you. I did all this stuff. And, and, and the key to it, so some of you might be sitting down there and you have sensitive conscience and you say, well, Pastor Ness, how, how do I know God's not going to say that to me? Here's how. Doesn't he know you? Because Jesus looked at them and said, depart from me. I don't know you. Do you know the Lord? Not know enough about him to say that you're going in his name. But know enough about him that, we're, that you're close to the heart of God. That you believe in him. That you follow him. That you do what he asks to the best of your ability. Do you know him like that? Because if you don't, at the end of the age, he will say, depart from me. I know you're not, you workers of iniquity. Right? So when we go out in the public square, we need to make sure that we have the name of God. Now, what's the big takeaway? Here's the big takeaway. God wants us actually to use his name. He wants us to call upon his name. And when you and I call upon the name of the Lord, when we use the name of the Lord, that's a sign that the Holy Spirit is in us, working in us prodding us to do what is right and good and holy before the Lord. He wants us to use his name. He wants us to pray to him. He wants us to cry out to him. He wants us to use his name. That's why he gave us his name. He wants us to take upon it that glorious name and go out into the world and spread his name. I'll leave you with a brilliant illustration or an analogy by Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon says, that the Christian is like a lamp, right? And every now and then, every now and then, when you leave a lamp on, the shade gets a bit dirty. And, and Spurgeon says, when that happens, you don't throw away the lamp. You just clean the lampshade. And there's some of us inside you today, we, if we were honest, we'd say, Pastor Dennis, you know, I've, man, I've broken the third commandment in word, in work, and in worship. So, so here's the good news of the gospel. And this is what Spurgeon says. You don't have to throw away the lamp. You could just take the lampshade off and you could just clean it. Do, do you know Jesus wants you to be clean? He wants your light to shine. That's why he says, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow after me. He wants you to follow him. 
That's why he says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He wants that lampshade to be clean so that you can exude and spread the light of the gospel. And that's what's offered you to you today, both through the preaching of his word, but also through um, the sacraments. And so as we go to the sacraments, let us go before the Lord repenting and asking to be made clean. Father, what a glorious reality that you've given us your name. You didn't have to do that, but you did. And your name is all over us. And Lord, we, we need not fear of taking your name in vain because even when we do, we can be made clean and we can let the true light shine through. Bless us now as we partake of your sacraments. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.